0: Of Daniel chapter 12 it's entitled the time of the end at that time shall arise Michael the great prince who has charge of your people and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time but at that time your people shall be delivered everyone whose name shall be found written in the book and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. But then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever, that it would be for a time, times, and half a time, and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up there shall be 1290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at 1335 days. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the, end of the days. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: Good morning. Once again, good to have you with us. Welcome to Desert Breeze Community Church. I want to welcome those of you that are on YouTube live right now. Thank you for joining us. We're wrapping up this teaching series. Twelve weeks. This is our twelfth week. You guys ready? This is the big finale. Turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 12. Daniel shining in a dark world. Man, this has been an incredible ride. I've never studied through the book of Daniel quite like this before, but man, I hope that you have gotten as much out of it as I have. I think as the teacher, I, I have just... Gained a lot of great insight. It's been very helpful. Grab your sermon notes out. You can also follow along. Our Bright Future is the title of this weekend's message. In 1952, young Florence Chadwick stepped into the waters of the Pacific Ocean off Catalina Island, determined to swim to the shore of the mainland California. She'd already been the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. The weather was foggy and chilly. She could hardly see the boats accompanying her. Still, she swam for 15 hours. When she begged to be taken out of the water along the way, her mother in a boat alongside told her she was close and that she could make it. Finally, physically and emotionally exhausted, She stopped swimming, was pulled out. It wasn't until she was on the boat that she discovered the shore was less than a half of a mile away. At the news conference the next day, she said, all I could see was fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. Consider her words. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. But all she could see was fog. (laughs) Maybe you're here this morning, this weekend, you're going, oh my goodness, that's me. All I can see is fog. If I could just see the shore, I think I can make it. I think I can make it. I would like to give you a glimpse of the shore of our bright future. Let me bring you up to speed if you haven't been with us through this teaching series The 70-year-old exile is over, and God's people have returned to their homeland to rebuild, but it's not going so well. And so Daniel is fasting and praying and receives his fourth vision, and that's the context of chapter 10. And he receives this vision, and the curtain is pulled back, and he begins to see this fierce spiritual warfare happening behind the scenes. And then in Daniel chapter 11 and 12, where it finishes up the book, the angel begins to really give an interpretation or explanation of kind of the future of his people and gives us many things as it relates to our future also. Daniel chapter 11, basically what we learned last week is as as the world gets darker, we know the world's gonna get darker and life is gonna get harder. That's predicted not only by Daniel, But also we see that in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew chapter 24 and 25. He says it's going to get darker, and life is going to get harder. And we also know that based on the book of Revelation written by the Apostle John. And so as the world gets darker, life will get harder, but the promise, as we talked about last weekend, is that God's grace will shine brighter on you and through you. That applies to us also. And then, in, verse, and then in, in chapter 12, he gets this glimpse. He receives a glimpse of the shore of his bright future. We also get a glimpse of our bright future. Now, you can see on your notes here, part of your intro, take a look at that just for a minute, because you need to get this, you need to understand this. It tells us where there is no vision, the people do what? Anybody? The people perish. If you don't have vision, you will perish. And that applies to every aspect of your life, but particularly your spiritual life. You will perish. You will be filled with despair, disillusionment, despondency. You're going to want to throw in the towel. You're not going to persevere. You're going to want to give up. Without vision, you will perish. So what is vision? Vision is a picture of the future that produces passion within you. That's why we need to understand our bright future. So, vision is a picture of the future that produces passion. It's the passion that gives us the perseverance to crash through quitting points, gives us a glimpse of the shore. Even in the fog, we begin to get glimpses of the shore. We keep going, we keep persevering, no matter how dark it gets or how difficult it gets. So, as the world gets darker, life gets harder. A vision of our bright future will give us passion to persevere. Let me, before we move on, let's just take a moment, let's pray, let's ask for God to help us as we unpack this text. What we're going to do, and you want to have your Bibles in front of you, is we're going to go verse by verse through this text. We go from 45 verses in chapter 11 to 13 verses in, uh, in chapter 12. Praise God for that, huh? So I'll be a little bit under two hours today, okay? Because I, it, it, 13 verses should be easy. Uh, So we're going to work through it verse by verse, and I'll give you some points. But before we do that, let's just pray. I'm going to pray that this idea here, maybe you're here this morning, would you bow your heads with me, just take a moment. Maybe you're here this morning, and man, you desperately need vision, because you have no passion, and therefore you don't have any perseverance. So Lord, I pray for each person here, and, and particularly those that maybe have reached a point in their life where they just have no vision. Lord, you told us where there's no vision, people perish, and they're feeling like they're perishing right now, but Lord, give them vision. Vision is a picture of the future that produces passion. Give them a picture of their future, of what you have for them, in store for them, that would produce passion within them, and and Lord, that passion would give them the perseverance to crash through this quitting point that they're up against right now. And Lord, I pray that as a people, the people of God, no matter how dark it gets and how hard it gets, Lord, fill us with Your vision of our bright future, giving us passion to persevere, all for our joy in Your glory. In Jesus' beautiful name, and everyone said, amen. amen. So let's go seven truths about our bright future, seven truths about our bright future that will give us passion to persevere to crash through those quitting points. Look at verse 1. And at that time… By the way, he just finished up the last of chapter 11 talking about the Antichrist, really about what's in our future. And, um, And so he says, at that time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who has charge of your people. This is Michael the archangel. And so we know Uh, There are angels watching over us, based on what the Bible teaches, Uh, Psalm 91, Hebrews 1. We know that there are military angels and ministry angels and messenger angels. We're not to focus on angels, we're to focus on Christ. He's the one that dispatches the angels, and this is what we see happening here. And there shall be a time of trouble, it's going to get hard, it's going to get difficult, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. So think trouble, difficult trouble, and yet think deliverance for His people. Who are the people He's talking about? He defines it right here. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. How can I have my name found written in the book? I need to put my faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you have your name written in the book. What, wait a minute, Pastor Ray, this is Old Testament. They didn't know about Jesus. Yeah, they, they still put their faith in God. They looked ahead to the cross. We look back to the cross. The fourth chapter of Romans makes that very clear, how Abraham believed in God. He put his faith in the, in the work of God. He didn't know how that would all come down. He didn't understand that completely, but it's still by putting your faith in God, we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross for us. And so, those whose name is written in the book, they're the ones that will receive deliverance. Okay, so look at, here's your first fill in the blank. Number one, seven truths about our bright future. No matter how difficult life gets, deliverance awaits those who put their faith in Christ. So, so how do you exactly do that? Well, you've got to acknowledge the fact that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all in the same boat together. We've all sinned. We failed to see how beautiful and glorious the Lord Jesus is. We've lived our lives for ourselves. That has separated us from God. In fact, it tells us in Romans uh, six twenty three that the wages of sin is death, which means separation from God. We're out of relationship with God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So salvation isn't something that you achieve. It's something that you receive by grace through faith in Him absolutely amazing. This is what separates Christianity from every other major cult and religion of our world today. Every other belief system will teach you a list of rules, certain standard to live by, or any number, a code of ethics, that if you hit the mark, the good are in, the bad are out. With Christianity, it's not the good are in, the bad are out. It's the humble are in, the proud are out. All you need is need. You recognize your need, you put your faith in Christ, and you have your name written in the book. You enter into this relationship with God that is out of this world. You begin to enter into this eternal life. And so when you go through hard times, deliverance awaits you. He's there for you to take care of you. This is what that means. No matter how difficult life gets, deliverance awaits those who put their faith in Christ. And therefore, if you've got your faith in Christ, this is what you need to do. This is, uh, my, my wife has a number of great verses. This is one of her favorite verses along with other verses, but this Galatians 6, 9, it's on your notes there, and let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. Have you ever felt like giving up? Oh, my goodness. And and it's it's promising something here. Don't give up. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in doing good, because in due season, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. That's a promise, and so you need to hang in there. You need to keep fighting. You need to keep reading your Bible. You need to keep praying. You need to keep coming to church. No matter how you feel, no matter what's going on, don't stop persevering because you will reap a harvest. There will be a day when all of a sudden, you'll go, oh my goodness, I'm so glad I didn't quit. I'm so glad I hung on. I'm so glad I persevered. I'm so glad I pressed on beyond those quitting points, whether it be in your marriage or your finances or your physical life or your spiritual life. Without vision, the people perish. You gotta have that vision that gives you the passion about the future that God has for you. Here's number two, second verse, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Wow, that's a heavy verse. That's an Old Testament verse. Yeah, it's talking about the distinction between heaven and hell. Here's your next fill in the blank. The high stakes for every person is everlasting life, heaven, or everlasting death, hell. That's what he's saying. So, he's just saying, hey, there's a major war. There's a fight on our hands. It's going to get crazy. It's going to get dark. It's going to get difficult, but deliverance awaits those who put their faith in Christ. Oh, by the way, what's hanging in the balance? People's lives for all eternity, now, when I was a medic for a number of years with Phoenix Fire, I, I realized that my skill level and how well I developed my skill level to innovate and to start IVs and to administer medications and interact with the patient and the base hospital physician and to work through the protocol could make a difference in a person's life. And certainly, there were times we did. We were able to save someone's life. It was based on our skill level, our abilities, how serious we took our calling. That was for time. What we do here is for time and eternity. When we share our faith with others, when we help people come to faith in Christ, do you realize what's hanging in the balance? Not just their temporal life, which eventually they will die, but the bigger question is where 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 will they spend eternity? Everyone on this planet, everyone you interact with, is either going to spend eternity in heaven or hell. And we have responsibility to make sure that we help them and point them in the right direction. And I took that really seriously when I was on the, with Phoenix Fire. That was serious business, but not as serious as this business right here. What we do week in and week out for people's lives, for time, and for all eternity. And so that's really critical. It tells us in John 3, 16 and 17. Maybe you're familiar with John 3, 16. In fact, we could probably recite that together in loud, couldn't we? You guys, you want to do it? Let's see if we can blow the roof off here. Here we go, one, two, three. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, you got it. Is that a beautiful verse or what? I never get tired of that verse. I mean, that's kind of a, a love note from God to us. I don't ever get tired of that verse any more than I get tired of my wife telling me that she loves me, okay? And, and so I just, I, I love that verse because it's just, once again, God loved you so much he sent his son on a rescue mission to redeem you and rescue you and to take care of you. Notice that if you don't put your faith in him, you're gonna perish, that's, that's the other, other option as we've already stated here. You only have two choices here. Put your faith in Christ. Put your faith in Christ. If you've never done that before, man, do it today. What are you waiting for? Man, I, I invite you, I encourage you to give your life to Jesus. And, and how many are familiar with John three seventeen? This is a great verse too. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through Him the world might be Saved. Jesus didn't come with pointed fingers of accusation, but with open arms of love to have nails driven into his hands and feet for you and I. The next time you feel like nobody cares about you, I was feeling a little bit like that this last week. Nobody cares for you. It was almost as if Jesus said, take a look at my hands and feet. My nail scarred hands and feet. I love you. No one loves you like I do. He didn't come condemning us. He came to, to reach us, to love us, to draw us into relationship with the Father. That is absolutely amazing. Verse number three, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. That's our theme verse. This was the theme verse for the whole book of Daniel right here. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above in those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. That's where we get the idea of shining in a dark world. We want to shine in a dark world. Here's your next fill in the blank, number three. Those with a biblical worldview, we're defining wisdom. Wisdom is having a biblical worldview. There's a number of ways you can define wisdom. Wisdom is competency in life's realities. It's uh, Seeing and responding to life from God's perspective, so that's a biblical worldview, will shine in this dark world and turn many to Christ. So, we got a new teaching series coming up. This is the end of this one. We're starting a new one, so shameless plug for the next teaching series right here, okay? I'm going to share with you just a little bit about that. This next teaching series, we're calling it The Greatest Story Ever Told. It's about having a biblical worldview. But the importance of a biblical worldview. We'll talk about that next week. But here's what you need to understand. A lot of people don't know this. You need to know it. We teach it here regularly. The Bible is not a bunch of stories of what you must do to be right with God. It's not Aesop's fables, boys and girls, come on, let's be moral, let's be nice, and then maybe God will just accept you and love you, and you can be a good little boy and girl. That's not what the Bible's about. It's not a bunch of stories of what you must do to be right with God. The Bible is a single story of what God has done to make us right with Him. All of the stories are pointing to the big overarching story of what God has done. And so, you could define really a biblical worldview like this. Everybody has a worldview. Not everybody has a biblical worldview, and even people who claim to be Christian, statistically it says that most don't even have a biblical worldview. They have a world, worldview. Your worldview basically answers four questions. Why am I here? You know, what's our purpose? It gives you a purpose. So, if you ask most people, they would say, well, this is the purpose of life. What's the problem? Everybody would admit, there's a big problem. We've got a major problem on our hands. This, this world is messed up. What's the problem? And then what's the solution? And then what's our future look like? It answers those four basic questions. By the way, you've already answered that, whether you realize it or not, just in how you're living out your life. And so it's really important that you have a biblical worldview that all of your decisions And everything that you do and how you live your life and how you feel about life and what you think about life, how you respond to the situations, circumstances, people, things of life is based on your biblical worldview. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration, four words that describe our biblical worldview. So, the greatest story ever told, it is a love story of creation, man's fall, but God's glorious redemption and restoration. And at the center of the story, there is a baby upon whom everything would depend. That's where we're headed with that teaching series. Okay, enough of the little promo there because I'm hoping you'll come back next week as we wrap up the year and and head into the end of the year with this idea of a biblical worldview. But let's talk about biblical worldview here because didn't you just say, Pastor Ray, that those who are wise, those who have a biblical worldview, will shine like the brightness of the sky above and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever? Yes, I did, that's exactly what it's saying here. Absolutely, so what is a biblical worldview as it relates to our lives so that we would shine in a dark world? How does that help us shine in a dark world? I gave you a verse, good cross-reference here, Joshua 1a, is leading the nation of Israel into the promised land, land of milk and honey. And God's giving them some counsel and making sure that they, they do it successfully so they can live the fullness of life that God has for them. And this is what he says. He says this, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. Then you'll be able to do everything that is written in it, and you'll be prosperous and successful. Oh, I want to be prosperous and successful. How about you? You guys want that in your life? Okay, not everybody here. I think we all do, don't we? And So what he's saying, he's saying have a biblical worldview. And to have a biblical worldview, you need to not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Book of the law is all-inclusive of every aspect of God's Word. And so the biblical worldview is do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Make it part of your life. Meditate on it day and night. Then you'll be able to Do everything that is written in it. You'll be able to respond to life appropriately. When hard times hit, you're not overwhelmed by those hard times. When you're being tempted, you're not overtaken by the temptation. Then you'll be able to respond to those situations, and you'll be prosperous and successful. Now, we talked about this 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 last week a little bit it's our mental evaluation of the events in life that determine how we think, feel, and behave in response to those events. I, I got it. I know a lot of times I do the same thing. I blame the events of my life. I blame my, my bad attitude on the events of my life. Well, you'd have a bad attitude too if you went through what I went through. Well, that's actually not the events that make you have a bad attitude. It's your mental evaluation of those events that are determining your good or bad attitude. You guys following me on that? Does that make sense? So, I mean, you can blame shift all day long, but you're going to be stuck in a rut that you'll never get out of. It'll become a grave as you keep digging. At some point, you got to take some responsibility and say, hey, you know what? I don't like these negative emotions and feelings and thoughts and ideas in response to how this person has treated me. And I think there's got to be a better way. Yeah, the better way, biblical worldview. It's not, it's, it's your mental evaluation of the events in life that determine how you think, feel, and behave in response to those events. Overwhelming thoughts and feelings are revealing distinct parts of your soul that need care. And so don't just express your emotions, you're going to damage and, and hurt and tear up relationships. And don't suppress those negative thoughts and emotions, you're going to tear yourself up on the inside. But what do you do with those? You've got to bring them to God's Word and realign them with what God's Word says. I mean, there's the largest book in the Bible is Psalms, 150 chapters of raw emotion, negative thoughts and emotions, not all negative thoughts, but a lot in there of the, where the psalmist brings their, their thoughts, their emotions, the tragedy of their lives, and line it up with the reality of God's Word, rather than to just let them those negative thoughts and emotions take hold of their life. And so, it's important that we learn how to do that. I, was, I talked a little bit about this and kind of alluded to it just a few moments ago. I had one of those days this last week where nobody loves me, everybody hates me, I think I'll eat worms and die, okay? <laughs> Anybody ever have those days? How about weeks? Maybe months, years, yeah, sometimes. I wasn't suicidal, I was just like, uh, I just feel horrible. I'm going to make it horrible for everybody else around me. (laughs) Okay, I I tried not to do that, my poor wife, but I just like, it took me about 24 hours to take those negative thoughts and emotions and align them up with God's Word. Sometimes it takes longer. I've, I've battled stuff for weeks and even months But I didn't stop. I was going to persevere. I can't be like this. I can't be down. I'm not going to become despondent. I'm not going to let the enemy get the best of me. I don't know if it was the enemy. I don't know if it was just my own sinful nature, my little pity party that I wanted to throw for myself. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was just the values of this world creeping in on my heart. I don't know, but I wasn't going to put up with it. I wasn't going to tolerate it, and neither should you. You begin to take those negative thoughts and emotions and line them up with God's Word and begin to embrace the reality of what He says about you not believe the reality that your negative thoughts and emotions are telling you. And that's, that is really, really critical. We used this as an illustration last week, and I told you the story of the guys that were flying out of Prescott to Palo Verde. The guy was not instrument trained, and they flew right into a storm and it killed them all. The guy that was flying the plane, he had three passengers because he became disoriented in the storm, in the fog, in the, in the clouds, and he went by his feelings. And they f- he flew the plane right into the ground thinking he was flying up. He was going down because he was going by his feelings because he wasn't instrument trained. He didn't have the instruments to be able to keep him on track. And so, as we've said before, when pilots fly into the clouds, they must follow their instruments even when it contradicts their feelings. What happens? You get this spatial disorientation. We do that. That happens to all of us. Like I felt this last week. It's like, pff, my life, ah, self pity, feel horrible. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to eat worms and die. I mean, that's how I was feeling. And I don't know why that was happening. But I just, I had to work my way out of that. I had to stay, I had to go back to the instrument panel and go, wait, 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 wait. No one loves me like, like Jesus loves me. Wait a minute, he's still in control. He's gonna lead me out of this. I need to look at the instrument panel and quit looking at my, my negative thoughts and emotions and, and work my way through that. When pilots fly into clouds, they must follow their instruments even when it contradicts their feelings or they will inevitably crash. We live by faith and not by sight. We live by biblical worldview, not by our feelings and the latest trends and all the craziness in this world. I asked my wife this last week, what verses help you to realign your negative emotions, kind of help you to realign your negative emotions? And I asked her that because she needed a lot of help at that moment. It's like, boy, because you could really use some help right now, so go and get some help before you interact with me anymore. No, I didn't say that. She, she, I need more help than she does, believe me. And uh, she just said, you know what, it's verses that remind me of God's presence in my life. And then she uh, quoted uh, Psalm 84, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And she, has, she said this, I just need to be reminded of who it is that walks through my day with me. And then it kind of helps me to realign my negative thoughts and emotions back to Him. And I know that He's with me. He'll never leave me or forsake me. He'll help me as I walk through the craziness of my life. I love that. That's why C.S. Lewis said, Faith is the art of holding on to things your reason has once accepted in spite of your changing moods. So, so what, have, what have you studied? You've studied that who is God? He's the creator of the universe. What has He done for you? Oh, my goodness. He sent his son to rescue you, to redeem you, to, to reconcile you back to himself. You have a relationship with God. So, so what does that, does that place mean? What am I in light of that? I'm his child. I'm a friend of Christ. I'm a member of the family of God. I mean, the implications of that are just unbelievable. So what difference would that make in my life right now as I navigate all that? Yeah, exactly. It's going to make all the difference in the world. No one loves me like him. He's got me covered. My, my bad things are going to work out for my good. My truly good things can never be taken from me because of what I have in him. That, I can never lose that. He's always with me, and the best things are yet to come because he has great things in store for me. Got great things in store for me. That's a biblical worldview. We'll talk more about that in this coming series. It kicks off next weekend. And so verse 4, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Here's number four. Hang on to this in time's insight until it's needed, then you won't run around frantically trying to figure out what's going on. Does that sound like good advice? Oh, absolutely. Now, Jesus, in the upper room discourse, the last few hours before He was going to be hanging on the cross, He gave His disciples some really great counsel, though I don't know that they really understood it and really experienced it, but later on they did as they looked back on it and they wrote about it in the various gospel accounts. But He knew that they're going to feel pretty crushed when they see Him hanging on the cross, although He explained that to them. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. And they saw it. They were devastated. And then He resurrected, and He also knew after He'd ascended to heaven that these guys would be tortured and martyred for Him. They would face horrible, horrible times. And some of the words that He spoke to them, for instance, in John 14, 27 are really great words for us too. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So there is a peace in God that goes beyond our understanding. In fact, I think when people look at our life and we have this sense of confidence in God's loving, wise care of our lives, in spite of the circumstances and people in our lives, it, it makes Christ look amazing, makes Christ look beautiful in our lives, But that that can happen. It's supernatural. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So peace is confidence in God's loving, wise care of my life or the life of others. Oftentimes, it's not my life. I'm just concerned about others, my my kids, my grandkids, the people in our church. And so I have to have, Lord, give me a peace as I pray for them, Lord. Take care of them. I know you're going to take care of them. The opposite of peace would be worry and anxiety that God might not direct things as as they should go. Counterfeit would be indifference, apathy, or just not caring. You don't care about the situation. And sometimes that can be confused with peace. John 16, 33, another text that uh, Jesus said. This was the very last words that John wrote down about what Jesus said in his interaction with his disciples. And he said, I'm telling you these things before they happen so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Now, let me just say this. I think that as Christians in American culture, I think we're a little bit too stressed out at times. When we look at the circumstances, we look at politics, we look at the direction of our country, it's not going in a good, healthy direction. We all know that. But I don't know that we should be carrying that much stress and anxiety over all of that. Does that make sense? And you need to look at your own life and... and as it relates to God, I think that this peace belongs to us, this understanding that, yeah, we're going to have tribulation, we can take heart, we can overcome the world. But let me just, let's kind of recite really quickly, what have we we learned through this series? Let me take you back through the 12 chapters very quickly here. And so what have we learned from the book of Daniel? Well, the first six chapters taught us how we can shine in a dark world because God is our Savior. He always gives us what we need when life is beyond our control. It's, it was primarily narrative. It's story. Love, I love the stories, and so we learned the first chapter: be different. Daniel chapter one. Daniel resolved not to defile himself by the world. Be real. Chapter two. Daniel, be courageous. We saw the fiery furnace. Chapter three, of Daniel. Chapter four: be humble. We learned from King Nebuchadnezzar. Oh my goodness, what a crazy man! He had a lot of pride. We learned, man, we don't want to go that route. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. I want to be humble. I want to receive His grace. And then Daniel chapter 5, be wise. We saw uh, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, what a knucklehead. I mean, this guy guy was full of himself. He crashed and burned. So we want wisdom. We need to have the wisdom of God's Word. We want to have a biblical worldview. And then chapter 6, Daniel in the lion's den, be disciplined. How did he survive the lion's den? Because of his, his disciplined life. He prayed regularly. He trusted God faithfully. He knew God was with him in that. So that's the first six chapters. And then the second six chapters, 7 through 12, taught us why we can shine in a dark world because God is sovereign. Our life is never out of control as he works all things for our good and his glory. And in chapter 7, we learned that God always wins. Oh, just in case you forgot, God always wins. That's the team I'm on. How about you guys? Okay. Okay. Daniel chapter 8, God rules history. Now remember this. Remember this? Duty is ours, results are God's. Duty is ours, results are God's. Say that with me. Duty is ours, results are God's. We've got to keep that in mind. God rules history. And then Daniel chapter 9, humble, bold prayer. Seventy-year exile was ending. He got on his knees. He was praying for revival, renewal, awakening. That's what we need to pray for regularly. And then Daniel chapter 10, angels and demons. We saw the spiritual warfare that's going on, war of wars. Daniel chapter 11, we see that what's, what's the biggest war is for our heart's deepest loyalties and affections. And then this weekend, our bright future, Daniel chapter 12. We need to take those truths and apply them to our lives as we go on from Daniel. And apply them to our lives as we face the hardness of life, the difficulty of life, the darkness of life. That's, that's our hope. That's our arsenal. And so hang on to this end times insight until it's needed, and then, then you won't run around frantically trying to figure out what's going on. God's in control. You can trust Him in all of that. Now, let's look at verses 5 through 7. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen, Who was above the waters of the stream, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream, and he raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him whose lives, who lives forever, that it would be for a time, times, and a half a time, three and a half years." And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all things, all these things would be finished. He's talking about really our future, the Antichrist, the crushing of the nation of Israel in so many different ways, and the abomination of desolation as we've talked about. I gave you some extra verses here that you can study on your own. Daniel 7 verse 25 described it as the period of time the saints are given into the Antichrist hands. Daniel chapter 9:27 is the period of time. It's described it as the period of time, the breaking of the Antichrist' covenant with Israel, the erection of the abomination of desolation and the establishment of Jesus' kingdom. And so I gave you other verses there you can look and you can study. This is analogous to this life compared to our life uh, to come in eternity. So what can we learn from this? He just said, they're going to suffer for three and a half years. It'll be over. Kingdom of God will come. He'll set up his kingdom. Woo! We'll celebrate for all eternity. That's what he's saying here. So here's the point as it relates to toughing the, the hard times. They're not going to last forever. And God has a future in store for us. Here's how it looks. Verse uh, Point number five. Our light and momentary trials are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That's the Bible, and that's found in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Listen to what he says, so we do not lose heart, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Anybody feel like your outer self is wasting away? Okay, today's my birthday, I, I'm, 40, I'm 46 years old today, and okay, how about 56? Anybody thinking more like 66? Just add another six to that and what do you have? Oh, that was a bad joke. Okay, 666. Okay, Um. oh, that's wicked. Okay, Uh, don't add a six to that. I'm 66 and I woke up, when you get my age, you hurt yourself in bed waking up in the morning. I got a crick in my neck. So I'm sorry if I'm not able to look over here at this side. I'm going to stay focused more on this side. I mean, when you're my age, you get hurt in the shower, just washing yourself up. Believe me, once you get past 30, it'll happen to you too, okay? Okay? So those of you that all think you're 30 years old, yeah, well, that'll never happen to me. Yes, it will. So do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Check this out. This is true with me. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Oh, my goodness. I love Jesus more than ever before, and I know and I experience His love now unlike I ever have in the past. I don't understand it. I love it. It's absolutely amazing, the joy of his presence, the comfort of his love, the strength of his power, the significance of being called the child of God. I'm telling you, you walk with him as long as I have. <laughs> I'm getting old. Uh, you're going to experience more and more of his grace. I love it. And then he goes on, he says, Our light and momentary trials are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Now listen to me. Everybody look up here just for a minute. The first moment in the arms of your Savior. Think about that as a believer. You take your last breath on earth, you take your first breath in heaven, it will be in the arms of your savior. The first moment in the arms of Jesus will immediately answer all questions and heal all wounds and make us realize how dumb we were to ever put him on trial when things didn't go our way in life. We're gonna go, that was idiotic. Because the only thing man made in heaven will be the scars on his hands and feet. That first moment into the arms of the one who would rather die than to live all eternity without you. I mean, I've had people say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to march right on up there to Jesus and I'm going to ask Him this question. No, you're not. You're insane. You have a low view of Jesus. What are you thinking? Like, I'm going to go tell him what for. <laughs> uh, no, you're not. It's like, man, you're going to melt in his arms of love. And in fact, we will be so overwhelmed with the reality that there was never, there was never a moment in our lives that we were not an object of his undivided attention, unconditional affection, and unlimited action working for our good and his glory. You're not going to have any questions. You're going to go, oh, my goodness, you really were always working, working all things for my good. What was I so stressed out about? And he would be saying, yeah, I was wondering that too myself. <laughs> Why were you so stressed? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. If we could just get a glimpse of that, of what we have in him, <laughs> it's absolutely out of this world. Look at verses 8 through 12. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, oh, my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the day of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand what those who are wise shall understand. Understand, but from the time that the regular burnt offerings is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1335 days. In other words, he's just saying those that persevere all the way to the end. Oh my goodness, what awaits them? Here's your next one number six continue on the path of righteousness and wisdom versus the path of wickedness and folly. You only have two paths. You're on one of those two paths. Proverbs 4.18 makes that clear. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. But the, wi- but the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. So how do I know I'm on the path of righteousness and wisdom? How do I know that I'm on the path of righteousness and wisdom? Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Jesus made it very clear. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The great commandment is how God is going to evaluate our lives when we stand before him. Billy Graham passed away a few years ago. When he stood before Jesus, I'll guarantee you, he didn't say to Billy Graham, Jesus didn't say to Billy Graham, Billy, okay, tell me, how many stadiums did you pack out? Billy Graham, how many presidents did you influence? No, he's gonna say, Billy, did you love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Did you love the people around you? And I know that he did because I heard a testimony of Billy Graham when he was in his late 80s, early 90s and he said, really, he didn't, didn't call it a regret but he said, you know what, if I were to live my life over again, I would have scheduled less and spent more time with the one I love and adore, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness. He had a deep affection for Jesus because he knew Jesus' deep affection for him. The great commandment is how God is going to evaluate our lives when we stand before him. This is greatness and the most reliable definition of success. You wanna be a great person? See, when he said that, when Jesus said that, he's contending for your greatness. He wants you to be successful. Anyone can walk in this greatness and live a successful life. It's not predicated on giftings or income or your DNA or your opportunities. You can do that right now with your life. You can live a great life, a successful life. This is how you live the greatest life and make the greatest impact is by loving God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. Loving God with all of your heart doesn't start with us, it starts with God. Because we are to love him with all of our heart because that's how he loves us with all of his heart. He loves us not because we're lovable or lovely but to make us lovable and lovely. That transforms us, and it so fills us up. This is how I can tell when someone's living in the reality of God's great love for them is, man, they love Him back like crazy, and they love others. That's greatness, my friends. That's success. That's beautiful. That's amazing. Daniel 10, 11, and 19. I think I I see this in Daniel. Oh, Daniel, man, greatly loved. So we are to love God with all of our heart because that's how God loves us. It starts with God. Loving God with all of your heart doesn't start with us. It starts with God. And this idea of being greatly loved, God delights in you, Daniel, and finds deep pleasure in you. By the way, those words are for us too. So just think for a minute. Imagine God speaking that to you this morning. Maybe you've never heard those words before. I delight in you. I find great pleasure in you. You should revel in that. You should celebrate that moment by moment. Fill your heart up. Bask in the reality of that love. No pleasure on earth compares to knowing and experiencing his boundless, irresistible love through Christ Jesus. The pursuit of loving God with all of your heart will free you from anxiety and bitterness and self-pity, rejection and despair, and fill you with satisfaction and contentment and love for God and others like nothing else. Listen, anybody can quit. Anybody can throw in the towel. Anybody can give up except a person in love. A person in love won't give up. A person in love will persevere. I'm telling you, the more my heart's filled up with His love for me, the more I want to love Him and love others and persevere through the most darkest and difficult times all for His glory. Look at verse 13. We're finished. This is the last verse. Here it is. Woo-hoo. Drum roll, please. Here we go. But Go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Number seven, finish your race without fretting or worrying, and when it's all over, you will receive your reward. I love it. It's beautiful. Gave you some verses there you can study on your own. Florence Chadwick, she said, I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. I hope you've seen the shore. Just maybe a glimpse of the shore in the midst of the fog of life. I pray that you've seen a glimpse of the shore that would give you passion to persevere in dark and hard times. Um, So next weekend, new teaching series, The Greatest Story Ever Told, Biblical Worldview. We'll talk about the importance of Biblical Worldview, and then we're going to walk through those four aspects of the Biblical Worldview, creation, fall, redemption, restoration, how that makes an impact in our life. I'll be up front at the end of the service along with any available elders or leaders. If you're new, we'd love to meet you. If you need prayer, we would absolutely love to pray with you, and uh, if you've got any questions, we'd love to try to answer those questions for you. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. So Lord, you have taught us how to shine bright in our dark world because you are our savior, you always give us what we need when life is beyond our control. And you have taught us why we can shine in in a dark world because you are sovereign, you are sovereign over our lives. Our life is never out of control as as you work all things for our good in, in, in your glory. Thank you for this picture of our bright future. May it produce in us a passion that can persevere the darkest and hardest of times. And Lord, as we, we recite this theme verse, Daniel twelve three, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. May that be true about us, we pray, in Jesus' beautiful name. And everyone said, Amen. Love you guys.